Here we go. Episode two. Feels like it was a long time since we filmed our, or sorry, recorded our first episode. Too long, as a matter of fact. Matter as a of matter of facts. facts. Wow, we're already off to a great start. Yeah, pretty excited about this one. We got a pretty good episode lined up. For those just tuning in, this is our second episode. We try and do monthly episodes. James, why don't you explain to the maybe the new crowd that hasn't listened yet what Matter of Facts is sort of all the about. The people who missed the epic they, first episode. Yeah, yeah. So, so, some of my friends who didn't listen to the first one. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's pretty clear cut. Matter of Facts is a podcast that celebrates the people who've made Halifax the coolest city east of Moncton, north of Boston, and south of Sydney. We also take a monthly deep dive into the unconventional, wacky, and slightly unnerving stories that keep us on the map. Why do people use that mm. phrase? Put it, on, put it on the map. Well, because I mean, So everything's on the map unless you're crazy. Yeah, because if it's place. on the map, you can, there's a name for it. There's a little marker and it's there. You're a know-it-all. I'm sorry. Matter of fact, it's hosted by us, Alec Cranston. That's me, James Collins, the handsome man sitting across from me. We both work for Cushman and Wakefoot Atlantic as commercial real estate agents. Um, so today's episode, we got a few fun topics to talk about. We have our regular segments, which we'll explain again when we get to them. Uh, we're going to talk about gas prices. We're going to talk about a new business in town. Uh, we got a funny little story at the end. Uh, but the theme of our episode today, especially with our guests, is the World Junior Championship. So the World Juniors were just announced uh, a couple weeks ago. They're going to be hosted in Moncton, New Brunswick, and Halifax, Nova Scotia. First time since 2003, the World Junior Championships have been hosted here. Now, for those who don't know what the World Juniors are, it's the National Junior Championship for Hockey. Uh, international, sorry, not national. So World Under 20. So the best players, 20 and under, uh, will all come here into one area, one spot to compete for the gold medal. Uh, there's a kind of a big deal. It is. It is kind of a big deal. It's huge. Um, we had, you know, we had other things planned, but the moment this announcement came down, it was a no-brainer to talk about. Um, this is going to be huge for Halifax, uh, huge for the people of Halifax, businesses. And, uh, and hockey as well. But we have a guest to talk about that. So our two guests today, we have Ross Jefferson, the CEO of Discover Halifax, and Amy Walsh, the Executive Director of Hockey Nova Scotia. We think they'll, be, they'll provide a very good insight into how the World Junior Championships are going to affect Halifax and what we can expect. And uh, just in general, we'll talk about how excited we are for it. And we're in an interesting position here because I grew up in a city, in a city, in an entire country. That doesn't give a you-know-what about hockey. Not because it's not a great sport, just yeah. a cultural thing. And no, equally yeah. across the table from me, Alec Cranston is player, nut, coach, just about <laughs> everything. Uh, he's got pucks coming out of everywhere. So <laughs> he, uh, this is an interesting uh, juxtaposition between the two of us here. Because I, I, in fact, I was um, Dylan Curry, who's in the studio with us here, uh, corrected me in the, the office, the Cushman and Wakefield Atlantic office earlier, because I was calling it the Junior Worlds. And I was told I it's, saw that it's in the, the note. world juniors. So yeah. I've just sent that to everybody by email, including our guests, and, and made myself a laughing stock. I've always been a laughing stock. That's okay. No, 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 no. People are laughing with you, not at you. That's true. And Alec, patio season is here. Just to go off topic for a second. Mm. What do you think? I'm we were looking out across a, the harbor, so the studio well, we are in is literally overlooking people, boats, wharfs, buildings, trees. It is beautiful, and it is the right time of year to be doing this. Oh, I'm pretty excited. I mean, we went, I, I can see from here the stubborn goat patio, which is a great spot to go. That goat is getting more stubborn every year. I know. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. And we went to Salt Yard Social the other day for our little pre-podcast meeting. That was great. Um, but everyone loves the patio. I was, I was even today at work, I was talking to a client that's looking to create a rooftop patio and that seems to be all the rave and they're trying to find out ways to make it last into the fall, into the winter. Um, but it's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. I'm, you know, every day kind of look forward to 
trying to convince a colleague, a client, or my girlfriend to go to a patio. It's a lot or of fun. Or yourself. Or myself. <laughs> worst case scenario. Or my old man. He's uh, he's always up for a patio. As long as there's a beer involved, he's in. That's good. Yeah. I, I love it here. The only issue I have, you know, we, we have the cruise ships coming back in, which is perfect for the economy. But as somebody with an accent that doesn't belong here, I apparently appear to be a tourist, and this is 100% true, probably once a week in and around Halifax during the day like today when I was seeing the ambassadors, buses going around, mm. somebody will ask me, are you enjoying your day in Halifax? Or what what cruise ship are you on? And I want to be like, hey, of course, I always get off a cruise ship and walk around downtown dressed mm-hmm. in a suit. Never know. You do walk around like you are a tourist and you don't really know where you are. You're kind of always curious and with my map. It's like my my audio tour. Audio tour. Every two feet you walk, you're like, hmm, this is new. Are there any podcasts I can listen to? (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, there is. Yeah. I'll put that joke in there again. Okay. Well, one of our first segments we ever did. Let's jump into it. Insane as the crane. Insane as the crane. Insane as the crane. Mm. Insane is the crane. Kinda insane. Love like it. Uh, stuck in my head. Last episode for the rest of the week, it was stuck in my head. But I love it. I've been singing it in the shower, in the car, in the bedroom, everywhere. <laughs> what is everywhere. Yeah. Jeez. Well, insane is the crane, again, for the newcomers or my friends who uh, congratulate me on the podcast but didn't actually listen to the first episode and are just now tuning in. You know who you I are. I must tell you, I, I, um, I, we had such a good response to the first episode yeah. that I have had probably about 100 people I've had to bat away on the streets of Halifax, raving fans. I couldn't, even, I couldn't park down here. It wasn't well, because of availability then I had to tell them I'm, I'm not Alec Cranston. Oh, wow, man. That, that's really nice. I actually had a hard time parking, and it wasn't because of the lack of ability in parking downtown, and we can talk about that later. It was because it was me, and matter of fact. So Insane as the Crane, the reason we call it that for the newcomers is a few years ago, Hurricane Dorian came to town uh, and knocked a crane on kind a... Kind of effed things up, didn't it? It really did. It knocked a crane over onto a building that was mid-construction. Uh, that building has since been renamed The Crane. Uh, so that's why we call this segment Insane as the Crane. So, uh, James, if you'd like to introduce this month's topic. Yeah, this month's topic, we're going to be discussing the only thing worth discussing and something that nobody has ever complained about before, and that... No is gas prices. Now, we've so all cheap. seen a huge increase at the pumps recently. Glo- this is Global News's explanation verbatim. They say the higher prices come in part because of supply chain disruptions following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, as well as the reopening of the economy, leading to a higher demand for gasoline. Now, it sits at 203.4 today. This is record high pricing, which is due in part to... No. When, well, no. Okay, it's, 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 it's due the, in part... Alec, to the what? It's due no, to, in, to the interrupter <laughs> clause, <laughs> boom, which the Nova Scotia Utility and Review Board can invoke at any time when they say significant shifts in the market price of gasoline mm. occur. This is the first time ever in my life in Canada that I have made a decision on whether or not I should go somewhere, or I've, I've decided not to go somewhere um, due to gas prices. Typically with me, it's because it's a social event and I've mm. fabricated a last-minute reason not to go, but for now, it's, it's gas prices. Typically you. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, I won't drive unless I absolutely have to. And if I am going to drive, I try and line up all my driving activities or things that require me to drive all into one day uh, because I'd rather walk given the gas prices. Um, yeah, it's they're, they're so cheap. 
They're so cheap. Gas prices are so low. <laughs> Actually, somebody did post something on Reddit the other day. Sixty-four point one cents. The title was "This oh, is the that. one thing I miss about the early days of the pandemic." I I don't see a solution for this. I did for the podcast dig into how gas prices are set in Nova Scotia. Um, it is a mixture of numerous factors, including refining costs, transportation, marketing margins, inventory levels, and here's the other weird thing: the longer the gas sits and we don't buy it because we don't like the prices and we opt to walk, the more storage costs are incurred and eventually gas gets higher. That's one of the things is the length of time in storage before the gas is, after it's refined, before it's put in the car, um, that affects the pricing. So I don't see any way that we can we can win unless the geopolitical situation mm. solves, which I don't see coming to a resolution soon. Anything, Alec, to add on yeah, solutions? No, I, 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 can we solve the gas price issue on the podcast today? I don't think we can. And if we did, we would deserve a reward. But just going back to that Reddit post you saw about the 64.1 cents, it's funny, like, I, I remember that, and it, people say they miss it, but at that time, we had nowhere to drive. That's the difference now, is that we have everywhere to drive. We want to go all over the place, and gas prices are three times what they were. 64.1 was great. Uh, it was good for me. We were going back and forth to the cottage all the time. There's nothing else to do. Which is what? Economy in Nova Scotia. Oh, so significant well, saving in gas my girlfriend's if you cottage. get cheap cheap prices yeah so it was worth making the trip a bunch of times but now it's like now you really got to calculate when you're going on a trip like you know i'm going to pei two weekends in a row in june and i'm already not looking forward to seeing that gas receipt come out on the way out but uh but yeah no i don't think we're gonna find the solution here today i actually have to fill up i just drove dylan curry down and my gas light went off and, and michael scott it. has the only reaction i can give when i look at my receipt after pumping gas oh my god. no god <laughs> No, God, please, no, 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 no. That's, that's, a, that's an all-time episode. Got to have the Michael Scott. Toby comes clip. back. When Toby comes back after his, his trip to Costa Rica <laughs> where he broke Michael, his neck. <laughs> Michael's just in disbelief. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I, as you can see, this is two episodes in a row. We've brought on a uh, clip from The Office. So if you haven't heard already, James and I are huge fans of The Office, and I can only imagine more and more Office Clips and bits will be coming into play as we do this podcast. And that's why we've decided today to shift the entire focus of the podcast just to The Office. Yeah, we're only going to talk about The Office. So we actually have Steve Carell. He's in the room right now. He'll be here in about five minutes. He, he has aged well, that guy. I was talking like to my, fine my wife. Yeah, and she's like, he's a seriously sexy dude compared to where he was 20 years ago. And we're going to probably go the other way. This is this is the bad. I mean, we are currently the youngest we will ever be. We're probably the best we'll ever look. Yeah. And they, you know, a lot of the people from that show really did age. Like, I mean, even Jim, big Jimbo, uh, oh, John, yeah. John Krasinski, he aged nicely. Um, got some biceps finally as well. Didn't yeah, he? yeah. Now he's in, oh, spoiler alert, he's in the Marvel Universe now. He got a superhero role there and he's he's really taken off. Like not everyone from that show really took, oh, some people might not have seen the movie. Whoops. In the Give room. us some spoilers here. Uh, have you ever seen The Office? <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed oh, I'll, I'll give you a synopsis of The Office. They all die. Yeah, it was a really sad ending. It was Except, awful, wasn't well, it? Well, no, Creed survived. He survived because he never it would never existed in the first place. He was a simulation. He was you know that when um, when Michael gets a new chair, I get Pam's chair, and when Pam gets a new chair, I get her chair, and then I'll have two chairs. Yeah, just one more to go. <laughs> that was good. Okay, uh, we're veering off topic. Here. Yeah, um, back to gas prices. Was was there anything else you wanted to I, add I, before I, I make a very childish joke? Make the childish joke. I have nothing else to add, and then we'll get to our 
Yes. yes. I was going to finish with this, and it's it's awfully uh, childish. You can cut this out if you want to. The most depressing thing about the rising gas prices is I can no longer make the joke I used to make about gas prices sounding like radio stations. I've driven my wife nuts for 15 years now that whenever you pass a radio station, uh, sorry, whenever you pass a gas station, say gas is 105.6, I'll always go, SO, 105.6. You really or, got a radio or voice. Or Irving, 96.9. But, but you can't be like, needs. Two zero zero point three. It just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. But I, that's funny. I like that. You, you have should good, start doing. You have that. a good radio voice. I was radio trained. I think I saw an old picture of that. And we'll bring yeah, it up radio and radio and TV trained many many years ago. But it's a muscle I have not flexed in <laughs> well over a decade. Alec, you are the first person I've flexed my muscle with in years. Oh yeah, you're getting back into it with this. All right, uh, stay tuned. Our guests are on their way in. All right, everybody. We are here with our special guests today. We have Ross Jefferson, the CEO of Discover Halifax, and Amy Walsh, the Executive Director of Hockey Nova Scotia. Hockey Nova Scotia, for starters, is the governing body for all organized hockey in Nova Scotia. They have a broad network of staff and volunteers that work with more than 30 hockey associations, along with provincial and national hockey programs. Uh, they provide program support for all ages, recreational to elite level, uh, and they are the voice for hockey in Nova Scotia and an advocate for, for the many benefits of participating in hockey. So thank you, Amy, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And I'll punt it over to James for a little bit about Ross and Discover Halifax. Yes, yeah, we're also joined by Ross Jefferson, President and CEO of Discover Halifax, a non-profit membership-based marketing and sales organization in partnership with the Halifax Regional Government and the Hotel Association of Nova Scotia and participating industry members. Since its inception in 2002, Discover Halifax's goal is to promote Halifax as a destination of choice for leisure and business travelers, which I imagine is pretty easy to do. Welcome, Ross. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, we'll get started right away. My first question is for Amy. Uh, so for the whole bidding process, which seemed we heard that the bidding process, we were part of it. It all happened fast. Next thing you know, we find out we're hosting. So what was your slash Hockey Nova Scotia's involvement in the bidding process for the World Juniors? Yes, it was definitely a process unlike no other. Um, we were very fortunate that actually we had about two years ago, some exploratory conversations um, when we were getting together for World Women's, um, that sort of conversation. Then we had engaged uh, partners in New Brunswick. And our whole goal at the time was really later this decade that we would think we'd have the opportunity to host. So when this opportunity came about, we were able to pivot quickly, come together. Uh, there's huge leadership by Grant McDonald, and it's amazing. We're called the East Coast Group, and it's been amazing. We have representation from, obviously, both provinces, both cities, both CHL teams, uh, and then uh, both branches as well. So, yeah, no, it was a really great experience, and the team really pulled together what normally takes six months to yeah. a year. We did in one week. Oh, that's terrific. I mean, it's I think the last time we hosted it was 2003, I believe, Sydney and Halifax. Um, so it's going to be a lot different. I feel like, you know, demographically, infrastructurally, and with the game of hockey itself, things have changed so much. How do you think this will differ from 2003's World Junior Championships that we hosted? Oh, my gosh. I think 2003, it was just the start of, I think, records were broken as far as attendance. Um, but there's the whole inside the venue and outside the venue. And I just see the growth of Halifax and as well as Moncton and our ability to really host inside and out. I think it's going to be such an opportunity to celebrate, such an opportunity to really show the host that we can be. And I think we're going to blow the records out of the water again and yep. set a new precedence for sure. Terrific. 
That's a good segue into Discover Halifax's role. So, Ross, it seems to suit your mandate pretty well that people are choosing to come to Halifax. What is Discover Halifax's involvement, and um, how did you feel when we, we won this accolade? Well, obviously ecstatic uh, when we when we learned the news. Um, on any event that comes into this uh, into this community that's being bid on, there's uh, there's a collective of many different partners that are usually involved in the bid process. Uh, in this particular bid process, Discover Halifax uh, didn't have a direct role. We uh, um, we are grateful to the to the to the partners, uh, Hockey uh, Nova Scotia, as well as Events East, the Scotia Bank Centre, and the team around that. This was also uh, a two province bid with uh, Nova Scotia as well as New Brunswick, so uh, both levels of government. Um, you, you know, when anything comes to the community like this, it's great awareness for the community. We're excited uh, and, and uh, delighted to see uh, this successful bid here. And then how do we turn those people that come into the city into ambassadors when they go home? Because all these folks are going to be coming. They're going to be seeing the best of everything that we have to offer. How do we send them back to wherever they've come from in the world. So, you know, when they're 50 years old, they're saying to their children, when I was your age, I went to Halifax, it's great. We're going we're gonna to pack the family up and, and we're going to go there. How do we leave that impression with them that this is the place to come back to? You know, I love that question because, you know, we wouldn't treat these visitors that are coming to these games any different than the other 5.3 million overnight stays we, we have in the run of a year. And, you know, it, it's, it's easy to think uh, from a marketing perspective, what do you leave them with? How do you tell them? What do you... You know, the best way, uh, we believe, is for them to have a great experience while they're here. And that that doesn't happen overnight. That happens from decades of development of uh, the industry, of the community, of the infrastructure that will be hosting, and, and simply the experiences. And it's not something delivered by government exclusively. It's delivered by private sector. It's delivered by hotels. It's delivered by the great service you'll get in a restaurant or on a transportation from uh, from the airport. Um, we've uh, been working on a integrated tourism master plan that brings both government as well as the private sector and the community together uh, around a, a set of five key themes about improving that visitor experience and you know number one is making it easy to get here and easy to visit so that could be anything from great air access so you've got a one-leg flight to Halifax as opposed to two or three um, through to transportation from your airport so we've been working on ride sharing things like uber um, we want to make sure we're investing in the in the great public spaces that are not only for the use of of those visitors here, but for the citizens that live here as well. Uh, the third principle is we want to make sure that uh, tourism and, and travel industry is sustainable. So what are we doing to help the environment? Uh, and finally, um, uh, one of the ones we love is uh, we're, we're calling it Vibrant and Live 365. It's about making sure that the community is animated, um, not only during those peak seasons that we think of tourism happening, but throughout the entire year, seven days a week, and not only evening, but but daytime as well. So there are a whole bunch of partners working towards that strategy. Um, it's uh, two years in, but you know the short answer, uh, which I didn't give you, the short answer is really, how do you have great ambassadors? You have a great place, you have great people, and you have great experiences. Yeah, before we uh, started recording here, James made a joke about not really knowing what hockey was, being from where he is uh, on the other side of the pond. Um, so as much as Nova Scotia and New Brunswick are rich with the love for hockey, and Amy, this question will be for you, there are still many who don't follow the sport or are unsure of what this tournament means for us. Given that this is an international event with big implications, positive implications for Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, what are some ways that both Hockey Nova Scotia and the city of Halifax can contribute to still involve the population who don't follow hockey? 
that we know all the diehard hockey fans are going to be there, but we want the whole city to be a participant in this and leave a lasting impact on them. So what can we do to still involve them in the whole event? Yeah, that's a great question. I always think of hockey as a vehicle. I think it's a tool for social impact. Um, I think what happens, there's the on the ice component, there's the player component, the ones that were sort of born and raised have been a part of hockey their whole life. But it's so much more than that. And I see this event uh, being an example of that. I think not only from the legacy, not only from things that are going to happen off the ice, I think we're going to have leadership opportunities. I know Carrie Cousins has a ton of ideas um, on having some female um, leadership opportunities, uh, really just so it's not just a hockey event. It's mm-hmm. really a coming together event, a celebration event, um, and the international component that plays into that, uh, yep. I think is really uh, amazing. And it's funny, there's ever since it was announced, the 03, um, this doesn't exactly um, answer your question, but the number of people that have sort of stopped me on the street and told me a story about 03 and that the time they had and their friends are coming back just to sort of revisit. uh, Now they've got kids too. And they've got kids and they've got, um, yeah, so it's such a great opportunity. And that's what will keep this alive when, you know, when the event ends and it leaves a lasting legacy is the stories that we'll all tell and then hopefully tell our kids. And then we host again a few years down the road. Um, So kind of piggybacking off of that, it's no secret the tickets to the World Juniors won't be cheap, um, as most major hockey events or sporting events are. And once they do go on sale, availability will be low. Uh, they'll go quick. I know there's a priority draw you have to enter just to be able to buy tickets first. Is there a plan in place to sort of involve the broader base of people? I'm, saying, I'm thinking specifically youth in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick so that they feel a part of this great event, uh, you know, similar to you know, in Toronto, Jurassic Park, where everyone's outside watching uh, the Raptors game because the tickets were sold out. Is there some plans in place that we can do here that will allow the broader base to watch the event and actually be a part of it? Like, Say if we make the gold medal game and we can get as many people cheering as possible? Yes, absolutely. Um, obviously, Hockey Canada's first priority is to ensure that it's a sold-out event, to ensure that hockey fans, CHL fans um, have access to tickets, but also the community, also the grassroots. Um, normally, we have, and we haven't looked into it yet, but um, corporate opportunities or corporate entities that purchase packages that don't use certain games, they give them back, and then we have a mechanism to get those into the hands of uh, local communities, um, grassroots, uh, minor hockey associations that... Uh, where there's various barriers, um, definitely ensure we remove some barriers to make sure that we have as much of the next generation uh, in the seats watching as possible. And that was a vision we had also with World Women's, uh, ensuring that we had see her, be her moments, and uh, we'll also have the priority for this as- event as well. Yeah, that's great. Here's a question for Ross. The, the World Juniors shows that Halifax has the capacity and infrastructure to support large-scale global events. What else would you like to see come to our city? We're just talking generally. And what do you think we can do or need to do to keep attracting these large-scale global events? Well, you know, I, again, I think it, it starts with great partners. Uh, being able to uh, first have the relationships to be able to bid on this. So the relationships like we have uh, with, with Amy's group, um, the, the communities and and uh, events coming to destinations um, start with those relationships. And the, of course, the infrastructure is, um, is a, a basic requirement 
to, to meet. Um, but it might be surprising to a lot of people um, that we, you know, here in Halifax, we bid on about 200 major events or 200 events, including conferences in the run of a year, and we win about half of those. Um, the city and I think the province has been really um, at the forefront of investing in key things to get prepared and uh, refer back to the, the tourism master plan. A couple of key examples uh, just this year, making infrastructure uh, announcements and investments in Lake Bannock. Later this year, we'll be hosting uh, the world's um, canoe kayak events where we'll have uh, over a thousand of the most elite um, rowers and kayakers from 70 different countries coming here. Uh, that'll be followed uh, later this year by a major sailing competition in the 49, 49ers uh, category, as it's called, where we're going to have uh, those sailing competitions again from around the world. To be followed only next year by the North American Indigenous Games, which will be the largest games ever held in Atlantic Canada. Um, so, you know, I think... Um, you know, it is about uh, the right infrastructure. It's also about the right relationships. It's about the right partners. Um, and uh, it's a about the right community. And I think we're really proud of where Halifax is today. I think I've seen in the 13 years I've been here that change. When I first came, Halifax was has always been a great place to live, but was definitely trying to be the biggest city. I think now we're there. Do you agree with that? We are ready. We're yeah. perfectly positioned. Look, I do think we're ready. And, and you know, the the other part of that community piece is volunteers and, and citizens as well. So this doesn't happen without the, the support and the the, the, the adoption of uh, the, the, the communities in which the sport discipline uh, is engaged in, but also generally the, the citizens. So, yeah, I definitely think we are here. I, I, I don't like to say we're the big city. Uh take a little bit of pride in, in uh, maybe not being the big city, um, but uh, we certainly have um, what it takes, which I'd agree with you, uh, to be able to deliver on these world-class type events. So one thing about hockey I find, and from being a part of the game since I was four or five years old, is that it brings people together. And this event, more than any, you know, in recent memory here, will do that. So... As two of made hockey's major standpoints, diversity and inclusion. And we're constantly looking at ways to make the game more accessible for all who want to play. Uh, we have an opportunity with the World Juniors to truly showcase how hockey can bring people together and foster a positive environment. So I guess my question is, what does hosting an event like this, where you will have players from all across the world, all corners of the world, uh, come center stage, do for the game of hockey itself in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, in terms of inclusiveness, and motivating those who wish to join the sport. Because I think, you know, a key takeaway from this event and to know that it was a success is if we see rates go up and who signs up for hockey and people wanting to join and uh, more programs opening up that can be accessible for those who may not have had the access to sport before hockey in specifics. So, Amy, uh, what do you think this does for the game? Yeah, for me, I'm extremely excited for the event but I'm really excited for the legacy opportunity not only to amplify voices who aren't heard or show images of, of what hockey is we have this one image in our mind and um, and it's so much more than that I think we've worked really hard at Hockey Nova Scotia for the last three years diversity inclusion has been our number one priority we launched a diversity inclusion task force report um, in just actually the recommendations came out last spring. And one of those recommendations was the future of hockey lab. And this is a social innovation lab 
aimed at um, co-creating, experimenting, and scaling game-changing ideas on how the game can be more accessible to more people. And I think just bringing about awareness around the future of Hockey Lab, awareness mm-hmm. around programs that individuals can access hockey in non-traditional yeah. ways. Um, so I think this is just a great opportunity to really amplify and, uh, and use the legacy dollars uh, for a good cause because it's really about the future generations. That's what is most important to Hockey Nova Scotia. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really do hope that from this event tons more kids want to sign up for hockey and i know hockey nova scotia and i'm sure and hockey new brunswick as well and all the minor hockey associations will will welcome those kids that next generation with with open arms so the world juniors is going to really play a big part in that and there is so much to do in our city i sat down with my wife a few days ago and we were trying to think of a list where you know we had an afternoon with visitors to halifax in general as a brit i get a lot of people coming over you know where would we take them so ross you have sorry to put you on the spot here but but here's some hypothetical and and you can be as specific as you as you want to be you have a bus with 50 people on it a youth team and their entourage you have three hours to show them the best of our city where do you take them what hidden gems do you show them um what do you eat (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, that question's a tough one. A membership-based organization, you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> you can be as general as you like no, here. No. We're not asking you to name names. <clears throat> no, no. Um, in all seriousness, you know, um, every person that comes to any community, they all have different tastes, different things that that, that motivate them, and um, different things that they want to experience. Uh, you've given me a little bit of a specific example, I guess, a, a kids on a bus, um, you know, I think um, some general rules that we we do understand, you know, the visitors that are coming to our community from, let's say, within our own drive, we call it a drive market, um, they're usually coming because they want to participate in the social energy that's happening here. You know, most people in um, in Atlantic Canada live in a rural community and they've got to get in a car to go have a dinner or go to a show or um, to... Um, uh, go experience something on a, on a, on a sport or cultural basis. Um, those people that are flying in from greater distances, um, you know, they may be less attracted to that and wanting to sort of get away and enjoy the beautiful coastlines, enjoy the, uh, the access to the water. Someone who's coming from central Canada usually really wants to see, you know, the, the quintessential, you know, Peggy's Cove and, uh, the, you know, the, the beautiful beaches and the regions that we have. So, you know, um, maybe I won't dive into specifics cause that long list, that's a long list I'm going to start. And that's going a better through. answer you've just given actually, because you've highlighted something I would never have thought of, which is, it depends on where they've come from. Totally. I mean, uh, we have, I have my, um, uh, I have family coming uh, this weekend, my in-laws, and, uh, you know, we'll be um, visiting things that they like. We'll be going to uh, uh, Citadel Hill. Uh, we're going to be participating in one of the uh, Van Gogh shows that's happening here in the community. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of restaurants that we'll be going to. Um, but, you know, uh, likewise, I'll have our sister and brother-in-law come along with their kids. We'll be going to Woozles. We'll be going to... Uh, you know the uh, the museum, the New Brunswick or the um, Nova Scotia Museum, rather, and um, so it, it all depends on who's coming and what they're interested in. But uh, you know that is the nice thing about Halifax is that there is so much different choice for anyone that's coming. That is the secret. You can have the downtown urban experience, and we're you know 15 minutes away from a beautiful coastline uh, and the and the beautiful outdoor experience that you have here in Halifax as well. 
And we're evolving and changing. My parents come over, try to come over, pandemic pending every year. I always have something different to show them. They don't come for 12 months. They've got the old traditional places we have to go to. There's certain checklist items we need to do. But there's always a couple of days where I can impress them with something new or something that's reopened or even something under development or a natural beauty spot we haven't been to. It, it is a very diverse, evolving, ever-changing place. And uh, I'm sure you agree that is not going to stop anytime soon. No, it's not. It, the, the experiences keep expanding, but I think it's uh, the nuances, uh, that, that those hidden gems that you find while you're doing your exploring. You know, the number one thing I do have to always say, the ferry is a beautiful experience. It's the cheapest, nicest way. You get on the water, you get to see the best of Dartmouth, you get to see the best of uh, downtown uh, uh, Halifax Peninsula as well. But, um, you know, you, you really have to take the time to get out and experience the entire uh, HRM region from the eastern shore down through uh, the, the St. Margaret's Bay and Peggy's Cove. It's, uh, it's magical. Well, I concur with the ferry. Actually, last time they came over, the, the first time post-pandemic, we live in Bedford, and I've not used the ferry in a decade, but I drove my parents to Alderney Landing, parked the car, picked up coffee, and we sat on the ferry, and I said, I'm going to take you to Halifax the way I did it when I first came to Canada and I was living in Dartmouth, which was the magic of stepping on the ferry mm. and seeing the city grow and then getting off and then seeing it fade into the distance when we went back again. It was an amazing experience for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Just going back to your question for Ross about the taking the bus full of youth, I'm curious what your answer would be for that. If you had a bus, 50 people, youth, entourage, as you said, families, uh, and you had three hours, where would you take them? Peggy's Cove. Peggy's Cove. Peggy's Cove, Citadel Hill, Point Pleasant Park. My mother-in-law's house for baked goods. <laughs> Keeping the good books. And for dinner, we would, or for lunch... We would go down to the waterfront, and I'm not going to pick a specific place, but right. I would I would give them the, the waterside, waterfront dining experience because I grew up on the coast of the UK where I could do that. I grew up in a place very similar to Halifax. I could see the mm -hmm. water from pretty much from my house. But I'm when I travel Canada and the world, and the same with you, people say to us, and I'm sure everyone in the room, it must be amazing that you can see the ocean from, from where you live. So I think waterside dining is a must. Yeah, absolutely. I think this whole area is going to be absolutely rocking when the World Juniors are here. Like, beyond. I cannot wait. You know, I'm thinking of the bus full of kids. I'm, th I'm thinking, you know, older kids, <laughs> uh, teenage, you know, young adults. Uh, although it would be perhaps a little scary experience to take them, but you got, I think I'd pull the, the bus into Pizza Corner at about <laughs> two in the morning. I was going to say, don't air, don't air. Definitely a don't air. Ooh, that's scary, getting that bus in there. <laughs> I take them to, I take them to, well, I guess I, I'm going to say it's a hockey team uh, from out of town, hockey. Uh, I take them to all the original rinks in town. That's what I would mm -hmm. do. And uh, we just go to some local shop. There's so many local stores, local shops, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, Although the world juniors are predominantly going to be all the, the hype's going to be around downtown and the hype's going to be in, in Moncton as well. I do hope that visitors from other countries uh, decide to go for a drive one day. Maybe their team plays at 10 in the morning and not again till tomorrow. And they take the rest of the day to explore. And like you said, go to Peggy's Cove or Point Pleasant Park. So I think Halifax will do a great job of making sure that these people from other countries know that these places are available for them to go to. Like, you know, we have hockey. Come watch the World Juniors. In your downtime, head out here and check this out. This is incredible. And then it'll only bump up our tourism and uh, make the event leave that lasting legacy that we're hoping for. James, what's you, you like to ask a certain question to our guests every time. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. This is this is the question. You're forced to answer it. We're not untying you from the chair until you do. <laughs> what does Halifax do better than any other city in Canada? And what can we do better? I think it is the best place to raise children. I absolutely, like I think That's it's... That's a really good answer. There's opportunities. Um, it's safe. Um, the proximity to everything. I just think it's the best place to raise a family in Canada by far. That's a really good answer. And what it could do better, it could make the game of hockey more diverse and make access, um, the game more accessible to more people. I think it's an unbelievable game. It's Canada's game. And I just think with our changing demographics um, and what, Canada is going to look like in 10 years. I think hockey needs to adapt to look more like what our community is going to be and going to feel. And that's what I think uh, we could do better. Thank you, Amy. It's great. Yeah, Russ. I, uh, I'd like to think that uh, Halifax is big enough that you've got choice. Uh, and, and what I mean by choice is choice in the communities you want to participate in, engage in. It's, it's diversity is there and, and growing and continuing to grow. So you've got choice in career. You've got choice in where you want to live. Um, and it's big enough to provide that choice. But it's not so big that we haven't lost our sense of community. This still feels people still have pride. You can still make a difference in your community. People contribute. I think they volunteer here. They contribute here. Um, different than you do in a, in a big city where you can get lost in. So uh, I really believe um, very strongly and passionately in, in that, you know, we really are that right size city uh, for, for, that, for that reason. Now, the flip side of that is we are um, seeing a lot of uh, growth that's going on. And the downside of that growth right now is that it is bringing challenges to the community, but individuals in the community who are uh, struggling to keep up. So this isn't uncommon in other cities, um, but homelessness, uh, social uh, challenges that arise from growth um, is uh, really important right now. And we, although we are on many benchmarks, uh, breaking many records in terms of how you'd measure the success of a city, um, you know, I, I like, um, you know, I've heard uh, the mayor speak about this before, but we really need to be measured on, uh, you know, the, 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 the person that's at the bottom. How are they doing as the growth continues? We can't just measure uh, the overall average. It's incredibly dangerous. So that is something that I think we all, uh, as citizens of, of Halifax uh, and the Halifax region, need to be thinking about as we continue to grow. Well, I have one final, if you have no more, I have one final burning question for both of them. Go for it. World Junior Championships. Canada. Oh, you beat me to it. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Amy in Canada. There we go. Obviously Canada. There we go. Yeah. So uh, I think that's it for us right now. Um, Amy, Ross, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, You guys have been terrific. Uh, I'm sure you'll see Amy and Ross around when we host the World Juniors. And hopefully James and I can do uh, on the on the spot remote podcast uh, filming, maybe with a camera this time when the World Juniors are here. Uh, it's going to be incredible. So thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it's it. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks thank so much. You. Well, that was great. Um, they were two terrific guests to have on the show. Um, really good insight into sort of how the World Juniors may be operating uh, from, uh, from a hockey level and from, from a Halifax level. So really looking forward to that and looking forward to the World Juniors. Hopefully I can land some tickets. James is going to introduce this next one. It's our segment, New Kids on the Block. Throwback time. Take it away, Mark Boudreaux. 
guys. So, this is good. We we just saw our wonderful guest out the door and Alec promised us he was going to sing on the intro. So I just sat back and let him do it. Yeah, this is a good one. And before James starts, uh, Auntie Anna, if you're tuning in, which you did to our last one, you're going to want to hear this one. You're going to like this. This is a really good one. But first, we need to take a step back and listen to one of the most important songs ever written. So this is Queen's version of God Save the Queen. Not the Queen's version. I'd like to see her with a guitar these days. (laughs) That's Brian May and his lovely long hair. Mm. Happy and glorious. <laughs> we'll stop there. <laughs> All right, this has got a British oh, theme wow. this month. We are going to be introducing you to British Pride Bakery opening this summer at 201 Chain Lake Drive over in Bayers Lake. And this, this company isn't new. Um, they already have five locations in Ontario owned by a fellow Brit. Tony Armstrong, probably a cousin somewhere if we go back far enough, who moved to Canada in 2008, having owned a successful chain of bakeries in Plymouth in the UK. Now, I actually wrote a little four-line blurb here. I checked out their website, and I wanted a good way to introduce these guys and keep it succinct. So I actually wrote this. British Pride Bakery is a mecca, heaven, and nirvana for both British expats and Anglophiles everywhere, serving fresh British scones, pies, sweet treats, along with a full British grocery store that serves up the best of British straight from across the pond. They can pay me later for the copywriting there. Uh, what do you think, Alec? As a, as a non-Canadian, this is not just going to be your little store that sells some British stuff. This is digging deep into all the great British delicacies you cannot find typically in Canada. I think this is pretty cool. How, how big did you say it, the facility was? I, I'm, I'm not going to quote square footage here because I will be wrong, but it was, let's just say it was large. It is grocery store, wow. not talking like Sobeys Superstore, but, but grocery store scale. That's incredible. I mean, just to shake things up a bit from the the status quo and what we always have and the, the typical chains to have something cool like this where, and you said they're sourcing it directly, like there's no middleman. Yeah, directly from the UK. In fact, what I will tell you as a Brit is this is a true game changer because the thing is, as an expat, you don't miss the things that people think you miss. Everyone asks me what I miss and they they just name traditional British stuff like, do you miss afternoon tea? But <laughs> I miss things I bet you guys have never heard of. You've never heard of corn before, have you? The mushroom-based corn? imitation meat that people are obsessed with. No, exactly. This is why this is going to be a great place. Did you know that Easter eggs, every Easter egg comes in a huge full-size Easter egg, not just the little ones you get in Canada. You probably didn't know that. If he gives a chance to speak, we may be able to answer that. But no, keep going. Okay, one more. I'm just excited here. Did you know that the British-style baked beans that you buy in the grocery store taste nothing like the baked beans back home? I have never had Heinz baked beans in Canada, even the British-style ones they sell at Sobeys. So they got Heinz baked beans over there and Heinz baked beans here. Oh, there's baked only... Beans. You, gotta know your you like your baked beans, baked beans, eh? Beans. Oh, yeah. Are you a beans guy at breakfast, like you eat beans and breakfast? Yes, yeah, but the problem is they always mix with the egg, and they make the egg soggy, so you stick a sausage in the middle... <laughs> we can keep that in i don't know stick a sausage in the middle of your (laughs) eggs and and you're good no but in all seriousness uh, um this to me is going to be taking the the ability to get british produce to another level but i'm I'm more interested in your opinion as someone like i see two markets for these people pleasing the folks like me that moved over and also introducing uh, thoroughbred canadians like you to more british stuff than you're used to what do you think i'm excited for it i think it's great and like i said you know, it, it gives you something new to go to rather than the regulars. And, you know, I have connections uh, with me. My aunt is, she's British. 
my podcast mate here, you are British. So it's almost like for the people I know who I know will love it, like I know she'll love it, I know you'll love it, and, and others will just, you know, flock there when it opens because it's your it's it's where you're from and it's it's i'm trying to think of a word to describe you know bloody amazing bloody amazing i can't do an accent if i try and do an accent he's an actor you do do a good accent i can't do a british accent i go to jamaican if i try and do a british accent be a gun be a gun um no i think this is great and like i said because i know people who will love it it'll make me want to go check it out and uh, you know, buy stuff from it, and you know, and it's a nice way to get gifts for people too. I guess I could. I'm only gonna buy from buy for you from there now. I asked Dylan yesterday when your birthday was. Uh, I got something coming for you. Be ready. It better be the sausage in between the eggs. The other thing this is gonna do is have a grocery store, thankfully, with a lack of peanut butter, because you guys probably don't understand this. Peanut butter is not a British thing. In fact, if you go to a British grocery store, there's probably two types of peanut butter, and that's because peanut butter is evil, disgusting, and has no place in modern society, like olives, or in Alec's case, avocado. So going out for lunch with Alec, he orders anything, and he says, hold the avocado. He even does it when he orders Diet Coke. He's like, I have Diet Coke, no avocado. Please don't bring avocado But it's the with same it. with Brits and peanut butter. It is not a big thing, and I moved over here. You guys put it in everything. What's the deal? You said peanut butter? You Like you pronounce uh, peanut butter? Peanut butter. butter. Remember, my teeth hey, have softened. Knock, knock. Who's there? Buddha. Buddha who? Butter this bread for me. <laughs> Jujung. <laughs> knock, no. knock. Who's there? Knead up. Need a poo. <laughs> There's the bathroom. <laughs> that's good. Um, you got me laughing. You got the whole squad laughing. No, that was that's good. Um, yeah, no, pretty excited about this. When when are they open? So yeah, that is British Pride Bakery opening this summer. Is all we know. Two hundred one Chain Lake Drive in Bayers Lake. They are on Instagram, uh, and they have a really good website as well. I'd suggest t- uh, checking it out. They actually have a community for British expats on there as well. Mm. So there is uh, the ability for other Brits to get on that site and and meet some some like minded people. Terrific, terrific. Well, that was a great new kids on the block. Of all the new kids on the blocks we've done in this span of this time it's, both it's of them great. that was the best it's either top one or two it's one of the two i don't know which one it's top two. <laughs> oh, i hate my humor sometimes well let's jump into our final segment and one of our favorite ones the reddit roundup reddit roundup haligonians losing their minds over minor inconveniences <laughs> the Reddit Roundup. Do you want to do it? Haligonians losing their minds over minor inconveniences. You can tell I cheaped out buying that clip there. Okay. Uh, what we got coming up? We have a pretty pretty funny one today. So last time we did two, we got one really good one today. So recently on Reddit, and I came across it too, and so did James on a separate occasion. We both brought it up. There was a guy out in Clayton Park, super sketchy. He was caught lighting some papers in trash. We put the link in the show notes, put, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we put a link in the show notes. Uh, it'll be in the podcast description. Click on it. Maybe follow along as we talk about this. But he was burning, like, newspapers, trash, I don't know what it was, in, like, the corner of a little parking lot. And you have one of the residents in the parking lot, or the apartment building, videotaping him. And he's just, he's out there. He doesn't care who sees. And he was, I don't know what he was burning, what was on those papers. But it just, like, and it wasn't, like, big, a big, huge stack. It was, like, a little, you know, as if he took surprisingly a... Surprisingly small, Surprisingly small. And the little sparks are flying. And he, he's just, like, right in the corner, right in between, like, where the curb is of a parking, parking lot. And, uh... What ensued on Reddit and in my own brain uh, was worth talking about, in my opinion. 
We got a, a, a rundown of some of the comments here. The the top one was from Squiggly <laughs> Pustadum. Uh, there's evidence of burning, but I'm not sure there's burning of evidence. <laughs> and what got me about that guy was it was a remarkably small amount of stuff he was he was burning. He, he somehow pushed it into the corner of the parking <laughs> spot as near the dry grass as he could. And, and don't miss the guy who runs past. He's jogging on the trail. And he runs past in the beginning of the clip. And then about 20 seconds later, he turns around and comes back and almost confronts him. But then they have this laugh. And then, the, you know, two minutes later, the, the dude's stuff has burned and he just walks off. So he's Do- either, the job is done. Well, he's either trying to hide something or he's burning things he no longer needs. Yeah, I I really don't know. We had a we had a we had a second comment come in from uh, not come in like we saw the comment from Millennium Century. I never did understand this. Even a pair of scissors or hobby blade, if you don't have a shredder, heck, a pail of water would do the trick. That's just a mess. That's why I always, always he said always twice think it's something nefarious. Did I pronounce that right? Nefarious. Nefarious. Nefarious because they don't trust anything but fire to do the job. And I will be honest. Kind of agree with that. I burn all of my evidence. Yes, I burn everything. Well, bring back Pluto agrees with something nefarious and says, when you get home and realize you still have the receipt for the gloves, mask, and duct tape in your pocket. Mm. So is this? I, ju- I just say, don't give me a receipt, please. Don't you do that? I usually do. I, I just, you know, I learn from the best, the Spring Garden Glove guy. So the Spring Garden Glove guy, yeah. Gotta have him on. It was actually they him. did a podcast series about him, actually. He was highly enlightening. I, I heard about that. I didn't listen to it. Um, I've never actually seen him in the flesh. Um, I don't want to give him too much attention on here. Um, you know, in case he actually reaches out and wants to come on. I'm happy to have him on here. Um, it just might get a little controversial and get away from what we're trying to do. But hey, maybe we'll get him to zoom in if he knows how to use Zoom. In, in the winter when, well, hands are cold, maybe. Um, so Alec and I thought we'd do something pretty funny here. We would come up with a list <laughs> of, of of things we thought the dude was burning, either because he doesn't need them anymore or they were just useless in the first place or, or, place, or he's trying to hide them. You, ha- you did do this because uh, just for people at home, Alec and I write kind of half of these shows each and we genuinely come in not knowing what the other one is going to say about a lot of stuff. Um, normally, Alec puts together the good stuff and then whatever's left is the BS for me to, <laughs> to read out. Did you do this? I did do it. I've uh, got five. How many do you I, have? I have five. And uh, well, I, I had six, but uh, I might not read the sixth one. We'll, we'll see. Um, but I'll, I'll, I have five for sure. Um, you go first. These are our ideas like of, of what the guy is burning because it's either useless, okay. not needed, or it's or it's nefarious. So I wanted my five to cater to a wide variety of, you know, humors and people I know that will enjoy this. So number one, uh, <laughs> the script for Shrek 5. He was burning that. <laughs> Uh, my gas receipts from yesterday. Some guys won't like this next one. Instructions for the Toronto Maple Leafs on how to make it past the first round of the playoffs. Ooh. Ooh. Any Leafs fans? Ooh. You now need to wear body armor to step out in public. Yeah. I was in Toronto last week, and it was we were pretty depressed there. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's always next year. Uh, <laughs> uh, James's paternity test results. Oh, that's I am not the father. You are not the father. And uh, last but not least, he was burning Amber Heard's bedsheets. I can't keep that one in. I can't top those. You made me look bad. I'll give you my five suggestions. Number one was a blank sheet of paper titled Positive Contributions the Kardashian Family Have Made to the World. (laughs) Blank piece of paper. Um, Number two is Jeff Bezos's tax returns. (laughs) Number three was the federal government's plans to solve the affordable housing crisis. 
Yikes. Number four was uh, Will Smith's unread copy of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Nice. I'd actually like you to read out number five. I'm going to read it out. Oh, okay. It was Alec Cranston's autograph. Oh, wow, man. Thank you. It's not worth much. Ow! Oh, you just kicked me under the table right into the next. <laughs> oh, well, this was a fun episode. That was um, that was Reddit Roundup, and I, we got to hear the guy say Reddit Roundup again. Yeah. Do it. Reddit Roundup. Haligonians losing their minds over minor inconveniences. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, more of that next month. Mm. Well, we will have to wrap this episode up. It's been another fun one. We've got two episodes done and dusted. And we have survived. Please, out there, send us smoke signals if you have two. And just to go back to what we said earlier, we were absolutely floored with the response to the first show. Um, so please subscribe on whatever app you're listening to to make sure you don't miss the next one when it drops. Please, please, yeah. we'll pay you $1,000. Please subscribe. And I'll mention as well, we are on the hunt for guests. So if yeah. you have something you want to share about our wonderful city, be it a success, a development, or something to celebrate, or even a baseless rumor that we can help spread, we did get some great feedback from the last time a couple of reviews one from a from a podcaster in ontario uh, it was my uncle uh, and we all well so not we, we also have one from from someone in norway wow my we're, brother we're really spanning the world <laughs> no but i got you know good feedback from a guy i know he's a family but he's been operating a podcast for a while now and he had a lot of good things to say about what we were doing things and uh thinks we have a bright future ahead his podcast is inside my canoe head check it out Make sure you listen. And more work goes into this than I thought. Yeah, I, I on the weekend, started planning this podcast, and I'm probably, you know, a good six, seven hours deep in on getting this one ready, and the same for you. So it's a combined effort, and a yep. big thank you to Alec and to the team at BMV Media and mm. Dylan Curry from Cushman and Wakefield Atlantic, who yeah. is overseeing this entire project. He is only to be referred to on this show as the god of marketing, as you know. Yeah, he's like that guy that you, in a movie or a TV show, you never see him. Oh, like producer Tim. You're Well, you're both like the producer Tim from TSN. Uh, you, do you understand that reference? I know what TSN is. Do you know what producer Tim is? No, of course I don't. Yeah, this is like, sport related, right? People will get that. It's like producer Tim. Okay, that's what it's like. But one day we'll have video. We, that will come because we will hopefully gain enough traction to do that. And everyone can see what's going on in here behind the scenes. You know, There'll be video evidence as well, video not, evidence. Not, not just audio to, to commit to, uh, bring in to the, the court. Bring in the black leather coach. <laughs> Cut it out too. I oh, can't I'll help be, myself. I'll be the first to jump on that one. Um, <laughs> and any comments, suggestions you have, praise, written abuse, as we said last time, please email halifaxpodcast at gmail.com. One last thing before we sign off as well. Um, our uh, firm, Cushman Wakefield Atlantic, is participating in this year's Easter Seals Drop Zone. Dylan... Uh, over the uh, the studio there is involved in this as well, along with a couple of other people in our firm. We're going to be rappelling off 1801 Hollis Street. So next month, because we're getting close to our fundraising deadline by then, we're going to be making a couple of shameless plugs for all you great people out mm. there to reach as deep into your pockets as you can and support a great cause. But we'll discuss that next month. Yep, I will be there, not rappelling down the side of the building, although James did ask me. Um, I have a bad knee. Uh, so I don't think that would that would fare very well. I think it might be tough. I have a hard time playing hockey as it is. So I, you can provide the hugs when we're. Well, I'll be down below with a couple coolers, and hopefully it's a nice day. I'll be waiting for you guys, and hopefully your harness doesn't break. Uh, yeah, I'm repelling. They told me I could do it. No strings attached. <laughs> oh gosh, that's an awful. And that's joke. a good cue to end on, I think. Uh, but thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, we're just getting started. Uh, 
Check out our first episode as well on all platforms, whatever one you like to use the most. We won't judge. And uh, buckle up for the ride. Take it easy, guys. See you next month. See you later.